How are we doing this morning, guys? I think I'm going to go home and build an ark. It's crazy out there, isn't it? It's absolutely insane. I'll tell you what. Ah, all right. So I'm going to move this. This is too close for my liking. It's intimidating me a little bit. I don't know. It's weird. It's my own insecurities. All right. So, guys, we're um, into the week of a worshipping community for this series of finding community in COVID. So a worshipping community. It's something which is, I think, a word that maybe we've lost a bit of the nuance to um, throughout sort of the Bible. We see all of these different words, right, that have been translated into worship. And what I want to look at today is what sort of some of the nuance and specifics we may have lost in those ideas. Um, but first, I want to quickly read a verse from Romans 12, 1 to 2. Um, bit of a, you know, kind of classic one, um, but I think it kind of sets us up perfectly for today. Paul writes, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I want to speak to you today about patterns of worship, patterns of worship. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What does patterns of worship mean? Well, I think in our lives, we all have patterns that we fall into, that we start to take for granted, that we start to assume as sort of broad truths. And we kind of just take it and we leave it and we stop sort of venturing into it anymore. I'll give you a classic example. In our house, one of my jobs is to empty the compost bin, right? That's kind of my job. We've got this little bin on the kitchen bench and we put food scraps in it. And when it gets full, I sort of maybe usually hopefully take it out um, because that's my, you know, job. And uh, usually if it starts to overflow and then gets to a point where she's like, I'm kind of sick of having a science experiment on the kitchen bench. Can you take it out? Then I will take it out. But it's this idea that that is a pattern in our household that I will take out the compost and if I forget, the name will remind me and I'll take out the compost. That's kind of this pattern that we have. And it's sort of this thing which, when you start to think about it, I mean, like, why do I do it? It's because it's a, it's a pattern that we agreed on. Like, there's no literal reason or, or definitive reason why I have to be the one who does it. But this is something that we've agreed on. M does some things, I do other things. It's not like even we would have to compost, right? Like, it's not like it says in Leviticus, and all the men emptied the compost bin. Like, it's no need spiritually or religiously for us to do this. But we just kind of take it for granted that this is a pattern and we accept it and we fall into that pattern. So... We all have patterns in our life, whether it's our kind of weekly patterns, our monthly patterns, even our yearly patterns. We'll kind of go to this place every year for Christmas that we've decided upon because that's just where we go, right? We like it and it works and that's what we do. It's these patterns that we fall into. And we even kind of fall into habits of sayings and adages, don't we? I think especially as Christians, there's a couple of kind of Christianese sayings that we kind of have that we'll sort of fall into as adages without even really thinking. We're on autopilot. So what I want to quickly do is just have a bit of a brainstorm. I want you to speak to someone next to you and ask them, what's like a Christian saying or adage that you have kind of fallen into over the years that you sort of always fall to? So quickly have a quick chat with somebody next to you and talk about what's maybe a Christian adage or saying that you've fallen into? And if you're online, maybe type it up in the comment section. What's this sort of pattern that you've fallen into? I'll give you a couple seconds.
So I've got a couple here that I've written down. I've got, I echo that, you know, that's like a weird thing. Like, oh yeah, like I echo that, I echo what they're saying. Or even when like growing up in the church in the noughties as like a high school kid, like protect her heart. That was like a weird thing that people used to say, like protect her feelings or even the like footprints in the sand with Jesus. Like that's not in the Bible, but we'll probably refer to this story of like Jesus picked me up and carried me along the beach. Footprints in the sand, it's this pattern, this adage that we'll go to. It's not in the Bible, but we'll probably mention it more than half of the parables and actual Bible verses. So it's all these things. Were there any other ones that anybody came up with? Any kind of adages or go-to sayings? What would Jesus do? Right. Like it's nowhere specifically in the Bible. It's an idea, but is this, what would Jesus do? Nice one. So what I want to do is I want to look at some of these patterns of worship that we've assumed. Because what is worship? It's a, it's a noun, it's a verb, it's this sort of, has a very religious connotation, there's a sort of human deity relationship to it, um, to revere, magnify, treasure. I saw this one word which I liked when I looked it up, to lionize, which I'd never heard of before, but it means to show public attention to, almost like a celebrity, to revere someone in a public fashion, which I think we're kind of lionizing Jesus as we come together as, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and worshipping. So, as I said, we're going to go back to the Bible and we're going to examine some original words in both Old and New Testament, just four words that have sort of been blanket translated to worship and hopefully expand our definition of what that can mean. So, I should quickly say as well, these four words I've chosen, they all sort of have some sort of physical gesture or action that's related to it, which I think is really interesting um, because so often we can think of worship as a heart thing or a head thing, but it's really a hands thing as well, right? And that's really important for us to remember. So the reason that this is important is I think we live in a day and age a little bit where we can be a little bit disconnected from our bodies, okay? A lot of us work in sort of somewhat clerical jobs or intellectual jobs where we have somewhat disassociated from our bodies. I mean, trust me, you don't want to see me like on a soccer field, like I'm just going to trip over my feet. I am not connected with my body in the way that maybe people in first century, right, AD or even before that in the Old Testament were connected to their bodies, working the field, really being there. They were carpenters or bakers or fishermen. They were using their hands. So we've kind of lost this idea that we're psychosomatic beings. What does psychosomatic mean? I'm glad you asked. Essentially, it's that our physical posture that we take affects our heart. Okay, And this is why it's really important to start to look at different gestures and different actions that worship mean. Okay, We are psychosomatic. The posture that we assume is the sort of effect that is going to have on our heart. It's the posture our heart is going to take. So I want to show you guys how we're all psychosomatic beings. I know this is getting a bit crazy like a TED Talk, but I think it's really important that we understand this first, that we really connect to our bodies. So I want everyone to clench both their fists as tight as they possibly can. If you're listening to this in hindsight in the podcast driving, don't do this. But if you're just clench your hands as hard as you can right now, clench them, clench them, clench them. What's like an emotion that's starting to bubble up for anybody? What's an emotion? What are we starting to feel? Little angry, little mad, right? You can release it. But it's interesting, right? The postures and actions that we take can really start to affect our heart very quickly. So I want to give us one more example of this. I'm going to quickly play a song. Hopefully this will work. We did do the tech before of it. What I want you guys to do is I want you to cross your arms. I want you to cross your legs. I want you to put your head down. I want you to essentially close your body off as much as you can right now. Be as unopened to this song as possible and see what it's like to try and worship God. All right, we'll see how it goes. Are we ready?
stay really closed off, as closed as you can. Just be really closed off to this song. Perfect. All right, cool. Angie was up the back kind of going like this. That's the natural reaction to that song. Cool. So now I want you guys to just really quickly stand up, be as open as you can. We're going to play this song again. I'm going to show you guys the difference that it makes to being receptive and open to it. So everyone, arms up, open. I want us to be as open as possible in receiving this song. All right. Is this kind of working a bit more? Are we kind of feeling this now? This is the importance of our physical gesture while we're worshipping. It's actually going to affect our hearts because we are psychosomatic beings. And that is how you sneak Kanye into church. All right, cool. Everyone can sit down. Everyone can sit down. Awesome. Cool. So, the first word I want to look at today is proskuneo. So it's the most common word for worship used in the New Testament. It's used 60 times, and it's actually a really interesting word when we start looking at it, because proskuneo quite literally means to kiss, which is weird, right? The most commonly used word for worship in the New Testament has this incredibly intimate verb of to kiss, to kiss the hand. There's some kind of scholars who've even related it to this idea of the way a dog licks the hand of its master. Like, it's this intimate adoration, right? It's this idea of lie, lying prostrate, where the word prostrate comes from. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't find any photos of Protestant Baptists laying down prostrate. <laughs> so it was either this or a little Muslim boy. So I chose this one. Um, so this is something that is actually a part of the ceremony of when Catholic bishops become ordained. It's actually a... a, a um, stage in the ordination process where as people who are, you know, somewhat within that group of, you know, Catholics becoming lifted up as a leader, it's this moment of humility, of absolute submission to God, to kiss the ground before God. This is the kind of worship that's spoken about most in the New Testament. And I think we can kind of lose a little bit of the nuance of that when we just refer to worship. So let's look at two verses that um, use this word proskuneo in the New Testament. First one is 1 Corinthians 14, 25. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Revelation 19.4, there's these four beasts that are spoken about in Revelation. There's one that like represents a lion, then an ox, and an eagle, and a man. And they're these massive kind of almost mythological, dare I say it, beasts. And we see in Revelation 19.4, the 24 elders and the four living creatures falling down and worshipping God who sits on the throne as they sing, Amen, Alleluia. This is the word used most commonly in the New Testament for worship. When's the last time in your personal prayer time, in your bedroom, in your quiet place, you were face down worshipping God? I know before this week, for me, it was potentially never. And let me tell you, it is super humbling when you start smelling like the carpet of your house and you're just there in complete submission, in prostration to God. It's a real powerful action, and it suddenly really humbles you and affects your heart in a really profound way. So the next word I want to look at is Barack. Not Barack Obama, but Barack. So it means to kneel or to bless, to give something 
of value to another, to salute, to praise. The thing that I found really interesting about this word Barak is there's a duality of it. Okay, so we kind of already understand, we see people in our congregation even kneeling a lot of the time during worship, but what does it kind of mean? Why, why are we doing this? And I found it really interesting because while that word that we looked at before, proskuneo, was this real sort of humility and subservience, Barak actually takes on this really interesting meaning of being a blessing to others as well. So we are kneeling and being blessed ourselves and being a blessing to others, which I found really fascinating. So if you look at Psalm 95, 6, it's used in a really sort of literal physical sense of come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Master. But then in Genesis 12, 2, it's this sort of Abrahamic covenant that God gave Abraham that is now then passed on to all of us as Christians. As God blesses us as his people, we are then called to go out and bless others, to Barak, others. So I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Third word I want to look at is Abad. And I think this is a really great one because it sort of reminds us the importance of everything that we're doing is worship. It means to labor, to work, to tend, to maintain, to serve. In Genesis 12:15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to abide it and take care of it. It's this idea that we are stewards. What, are we, what have we been given stewardship over in our lives? Whether it's a position at work, whether it's a position in our home, maybe it's even a friendship, a relationship of some sort that we are maintaining. And it kind of comes through to this very physical movement of working the ground with a shovel or a hoe and, 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 and tilling it and working it. I loved yesterday. I was so encouraged seeing how many people were coming out and working and serving God yesterday through worship. What our community were doing yesterday by serving our community, by working together, this is, this is kind of like this abad, right? This, this, this working with our hands and serving. You know, guys down in the med shed who are packing up trucks all the time. We see this even with, you know, our, some of our small groups who've been going out during these 40 days of community and doing really practical things, cleaning up the gardens, cleaning up different areas of the church, going out into our community, being the hands and feet of Jesus. I think that we get to the head and sometimes we get to the heart, so we understand Jesus, and then we really understand that revelation in our heart, but we can miss the hands and the feet part. <laughs> and that's so often what this word worship is referring to, the very literal hands and feet, the serving. Deuteronomy 10:12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience with him, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It's this idea that our job, our work, our everything that we're doing every moment, you know, as that choir was singing, every second, <laughs> each and every millisecond, we're working in a way of worship for God. Last word I want to look up today as we um, close is toda, a thanks offering. It quite literally means an extension of the hands an adoration, a choir of worshippers. But it also means, as Morris was speaking earlier today, a sacrifice of thanks and praise, an offering, quite literally, these open hands. And again, it has this really cool dual meaning where it's celebration, it's pointing towards the goodness of God up high. 
giving everything to him, but it's also down low. It can also mean confession. This giving everything, not just the good, but also the bad over to God. Is there something today that you've been holding on to a little bit too tightly that you've got to let go to God? Maybe it's a really good thing. Maybe it's a real blessing that you want to give to God. It's really high. It's really joyful. Or maybe it's a confession. Maybe it's something that's not so great. (laughs) But God wants both. God just doesn't just want the good and doesn't just want the bad. He wants all of you. That's why I really love this word, Tauda. Releasing of everything to God. An offering of thanks and praise, but also an offering of confession. <laughs> I might call up the band just as uh, we finish off. Jeremiah seventeen twenty six reads, People will come from the towns of Judah and the villages around Jerusalem, from the territory of Benjamin and the western foothills, from the hill country and the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices and grain offerings and incense and bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Joshua 7, 19. Joshua spoke to Achan, my son, give glory to God, the God of Israel. Make your confession to him. Tell me what you did. Don't keep anything back from me. I don't want us to be holding anything back from God today. Whether it's the good or the bad, he wants it all. And both the praise is going to help us grow as a community and the confession is going to help us deepen as a community. Cast your cares to the Lord is not just the good and not just the bad. So I want to finish by reading one more time that Romans 12, 1 to 2, through this new lens of challenging how we worship with our entire body. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, to the patterns of our world that we've created even. (laughs) but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you that it's not some homogenous, whitewashed word that has no nuance or meaning, but, Lord, that it is a deeply personal intimate word which underneath it has so many actions so many postures God as a community we want to not only love you with our minds we want to not only love you with our hearts we want to love you with our hands and feet God, I thank you for yesterday as we had the opportunity to do that. I thank you for each and every day that we are given the opportunity to do that. Lord, wouldn't you open our eyes and open our hearts those moments to make them more highlighted for us, to when to step out, to when to reach out, when to extend ourselves. God, may we offer our entire bodies today as living sacrifices to you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.